This morning, we are in the third week of our series, Why We Gather. And this morning, we're talking about the truth that we gather to sing. I don't know, how many of you in this room, you say, I love singing. We're the singers. You love singing. You sing all day long. You sing in the shower. You sing in the car. You know, uh, your friends, you know you're a singer, by the way, because your friends and family are always telling you to stop singing. They're always like, you know, let me listen to the person who actually sang the song, right? I'm a singer. I went to school for music. I love to sing. But I sing in a way that really annoys my wife and our three girls. I sing what's happening in the moment. I don't know how else to explain it, but I narrate stuff in the room and I do it in a singing sort of way. And it really drives them nuts. I think it's quite charming. But they don't, they don't really think that it is. But, you know, we all have different preferences when it comes to singing. Some of you grew up in churches where singing was normal. Some of you come from churches where singing didn't happen. Or singing was very mundane or even boring possibly for you. Uh, but whatever your experiences with singing, this morning we're going to talk about that. One of the reasons why we gather as a church like this on Sundays is to sing. And in Psalm 68, David says, sing to God, sing praises to his name. So here I am this morning talking to you about why do we sing. And I could simply say, we sing because the Bible tells us to. Sermon over. I'm going to keep going. But the Bible does tell us to sing to God and to sing praises to his name. To lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. He is the father of the fatherless. He's the protector of widows. He's God in his holy habitation. And so this morning, I want to share with you four reasons why we sing, four benefits maybe to singing. And the first thing is this, we sing to remind our hearts of truth. We sing to remind our hearts of what is most true. Music is powerful, isn't it? Think about the power of music in a movie soundtracks of movies and how if you're watching a scary movie and the music starts to get creepy and scary, you can tell something bad is about to happen or the romantic swelling of strings, violas and violins and cellos in a romantic comedy. Music has power to move us and to shape us, but music also has power to bring us back to certain moments. How many of you, there's a song that when you hear it brings you back to high school? I'm not going to ask you what decade that song is from, but some of you have songs that bring you back to high school, bring you back to your time in college. Some of you have songs that bring you back maybe to your first love, to a wedding. Some of you might even have songs that bring you back to sad moments, a song that was meaningful to you uh, in losing a loved one or something like that. But songs have the power to bring us back. We can be walking through Target, minding our own business, and a song comes over the speaker system, and all of a sudden we're back in that moment. Songs also have power because the way which songs are written and constructed, we have an unusual ability to remember the lyrics to songs. Not everybody, but most of us, you know, it's, just, it's amazing how lyrics stick with you. Even songs you don't want to remember. You ever get a song stuck in your head? And you just like, somebody else, sing a different song so I can get this song out of my head. Or you maybe you get a commercial jingle just stuck in your head. But this is the power of songs. The songs have the power to bring us back to moments and to bring us back to certain lyrics and when we gather on Sundays like we are this morning and we lift our voices and we sing, one of the things that we're doing is we're reminding ourselves of specific moments related to God's goodness and his faithfulness, but we're also reminding ourselves of God's truth, who he is and what he has done for us. And, and David, in Psalm, uh, in Psalm 13, David writes this psalm which begins with the question, how long, O Lord? Have you ever been there? <laughs> You're going through something, you're going through a struggle, you're going through sorrow, 
And you're just saying, God, how much longer am I going to have to put up with this? How long, oh Lord? And David is, seems like God is absent in his life. David feels forgotten. David feels forsaken. But in the midst of singing this song, how long, O Lord, when he gets to verse 5, he begins to remind his heart of what is most true, this important word, but. So everything before verse 5 is, God, where are you? What are you doing? I don't see you. How long, O Lord, till you act on my behalf? Verse 5, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. So even in the midst of crisis and chaos, even in the difficult circumstances of life, David is singing a song to remind his heart of the steadfast love of God. And some of you in this room, you can think back to moments in your life where God showed his faithfulness to you. He saved some of your lives, literally. Moments where God defended you. Moments where God strengthened you. Seasons where God carried you. And when we sing songs about God's un uh, ending steadfast love, it reminds our hearts, my heart will rejoice. So he sings, and then it has this effect on his heart. Because I am singing of your steadfast love, my heart, which just a moment ago was struggling and depressed and discouraged, now my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me, he's, remember, he's remembering God's previous past faithfulness, even in the midst of present circumstances and struggles. David feels forgotten and forsaken, but he's singing a song to remind his heart. And that's what we do on Sundays. We sing songs to remind us of truths. And the reason why this is so important for us is because we are a forgetful people. We go through life all week long, and there's other voices coming at us, and there's other songs coming at us, and there's other lies or half-truths coming at us. And there's something powerful, profound, and necessary about singing songs when we gather together to remind our hearts. In some of the hardest seasons of my life where I've been walking through tremendous grief or struggle or chaos or crisis, a lot of times what helps me through those seasons is just a lyric from a song. And when I can't remember scripture verses and when I can't remember teachings and I can't remember moments, lyrics and songs have a way of finding your heart. And there's moments in my life and mornings in my life where I wake up and I find my heart singing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him or endure. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. And that's all I have in my heart in that moment, but it's enough. Because it reminds me of a truth of his faithfulness and who he is and what he's done and despite what I'm walking through. So songs have these power to remind our hearts. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And the bridge in this first song that we're going to sing simply says this. There's never been a love so great. There's no love greater than his. He died so we could live. It's his death that means life for us. Then, it didn't just stop there, he rose up from the grave. Name another king like this. Now, all authority, which means he has all the power and authority, it forever belongs to him. He reigns in victory. Name another king like this. And when we stand a couple minutes and we sing that, we are reminding our hearts of the truth of the gospel. This is who Jesus is and this is what he's done. The second reason why we sing is to shape our hearts. There's some moments where we sing because our hearts are out of shape, so to speak, and we got to shape them. In, in Acts chapter 16, there's an interesting story. Paul, who was one of the leaders in the early church, him and his friend Silas are on a missionary journey, and they're taking the gospel of Jesus to the known world, to the, really to the Gentiles. 
and they want to go to one specific area, but God, through a vision, warns them, do not go there. Instead, go here. And he gives Paul a vision. We believe that God can speak in that way. And in the vision, a man in Macedonia says, come on over here. And so they follow the Spirit of God to this Macedonian region, and they end up in this city, Philippi, which is a bustling city, a Roman colony, and they begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they find a woman named Lydia, who is a God-fearer, who begins to place her trust in Jesus and begins to tell others about this, this good news of what Jesus has done to rescue and save us. And then they meet this young slave girl, and we don't know her name, but she's enslaved by masters, by owners, by evil people who are using a spiritual gift that she has to tell the future, but they're misusing the spiritual gift to line their pockets. And basically, they made her into a fortune teller, and people come and they pay money to the owners so that they can sit with this girl, and she tells their fortune. And then Paul and Silas meet this girl, and she gets set free from this bondage. And she's not going to use that gift for that purpose anymore. And now her owners, realizing that they've sort of lost their cash cow, so to speak, now they're angry and they're upset. They raise up a mob. They attack Paul and Silas. They beat them up. Roman soldiers come and arrest them. They throw them into the dungeon of a Roman prison. Roman prisons were bad enough, but they're in the lowest part of a Roman prison, and they're fixed into... um, basically blocks of wood. They're fastened into woods with their arms and with their and the barracks and with their feet and, they're, and it's done in a way that makes their back ache and sore the whole night long. And they're sitting there and, I, and, and my thought was, what would I be thinking? What would I be saying to myself? God, you led us here. We wanted to go there. That looked good. You brought us here. We're doing your work. We're being faithful, and now we're in this circumstance suffering for you. I would be kind of bummed out. I'd be kind of complaining. But look what they're doing in Acts 16.25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners, which couldn't get away, of course, were listening to them. So they got their own little captive audience, and they're putting on their own little concert. But here they are in the worst moment of their lives, and they're praising God, and they're singing hymns. Do you think they felt like doing that? I don't think they probably felt like doing it, but they knew something powerful, that singing has the power to shape your heart. This is what it means. Sometimes we sing when we don't want to sing. Christians sing when they don't feel like singing because there is a formative work when we choose to sing even in the midst of our circumstances. Maybe singing in church is very new for you. I don't know all of your stories. Maybe you grew up in a church where it's very odd for us to stand and sing. Maybe you just endure the singing because you like the rest of the service. I don't know. Maybe for you, you're not comfortable singing because you're like, I don't have a good voice. I don't want other people to hear me sing. Maybe you're just like, I don't know the songs very well, so I don't sing. Maybe you just don't feel like singing. And I understand that, and I'm sympathetic to everyone's journey and what's brought you here. But I do want to tell you this. If you wait to feel like singing before you actually take the step to choose to sing, you might be forfeiting the opportunity to shape your heart. You might be forfeiting the opportunity to partner with the heart-shaping work of the Holy Spirit. There's so many things in our life we don't feel like doing at first, but when we take the step to do it, it shapes our hearts in such a way that we actually begin to enjoy doing it. That's the way it is uh, with the gym. I mean, I never... I never feel like going to the gym. 
Some people love it. I don't understand that. Like, I never wake up and think, I want to work out. I want to go punish myself and suffer. Like, I never want to. But I know that I need to because it's supposed to, it's, it's going to shape me. It's not shaping me yet, but someday it will, it will, if I stick with it, it will shape me. And you do things sometimes, but then I do know that in the best seasons of my life, when I've been the most, most active and most productive in the gym, that after a few weeks of the misery of making myself do it, I actually surprise myself because then I actually start to wake up expecting to do it. And I'm ready to do it, and in a way, I'm almost eager to do it. And so maybe singing on Sundays is not your thing, but maybe you're missing the opportunity to make it your thing, to allow the singing to shape your heart. And you may surprise yourself. Eventually, you may go, you know, I keep choosing to sing. I don't really, I'm not a singer. It's not really my thing. But as best as I can, I, I choose to sing when we gather. You may surprise yourself a week, a month, a year from now. You may be like, I love singing. I love singing when we gather. So we sing to shape our hearts. Third thing. We sing to strengthen our hearts. Or maybe probably the best way for me to have said this point was we sing to strengthen each other's hearts. You know, 2020, we closed on Sundays for 13 weeks. And we went online only. And online service is okay. It's a great resource if you need it, if you can't be here, if you're sick, if you're traveling, if you're working. I'm glad we still do it. I'm glad it's there for you. But it's not this, right? I mean, we've, we learned it's not this. And one of the areas where it's most not this is the singing. I don't know how you feel sitting on your couch alone singing. Uh, I do it, but I don't love it. Like, like if you're not a good singer, it's really miserable because you're just there with your own voice and your own singing. And your family will let you know <laughs> that you're not a good. Let, let Pastor Antonia sing that. Just let her, let her sing this song. Give her this one. You know, but... I remember when we reopened, of course, being in New York, we reopened later than other parts of the country. And some of my pastor friends, especially down in the South, they had already reopened. And I was asking them, what was it like to come back after two months being closed and three months being closed? And one of my pastor friends said, the singing. He's like, I, I was like almost wept the entire first service during the singing time. And his point was like, it was still the band. It was the same songs. But something about gathering in a sacred space and hearing other people's voices. And the truth is, is there's some Sundays where I show up and I don't want to feel like, I don't feel like singing. And there's some Sundays where you show up and you don't feel like singing. But we can sing for each other. We can strengthen each other. And you know, sometimes on Sundays during the singing time, I'll look around and I know some of your lives. I know some of the struggles you're going through. I know some of the sorrows. I know some of the challenges. But I see you, in spite of your challenges, I see you singing. And you know what it does? It lifts my heart. It encourages me. It strengthens me. It builds me up. And it makes me, you know, care for you and pray for you. And it makes me thankful for you. And so when we sing, you might walk in and say, I don't really need to sing. This is for, singing is for the emotional people. Singing is for the feelers. Singing is for people who got to get stuff out. Maybe you don't need to sing, but what if the person in front of you needs you to sing? What if the people around you need to hear your voice lifted up? We can strengthen each other through our singing. When I hear you sing, it reminds me of that I'm part of a family. It reminds me I'm not alone. It reminds me that other people believe these truths too. It reminds me that there are others standing with me and holding me up. And it, even at times, it's people around me who are giving voice to songs and to truths that on that day, at that moment, I don't have it in me to sing. But someone else is singing for me. 
And I think sometimes we, we need to lift up our voices and sing not just for ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering and in sorrow. I want you to see this video from Ukraine. This is a church in, this is a church in Ukraine just a couple weeks ago gathering together and singing. And, you know, we talk about singing to strengthen each other. But these people in Ukraine right now, these brothers and sisters in Christ, they're really, they really know what it means to sing to strengthen each other and to encourage each other. As a church, as the people of God, we pray for justice and we pray for freedom. And we pray that God would do a miracle over there and that he would make things right. But this is a video from an organization that we partner with financially called Convoy of Hope. And they're already over there, not in the country of Ukraine, of course, but in the surrounding countries like Poland. And they're there with supplies for the refugees, water and food and toiletries and clothing. And we give towards them. And if you ever want to know how can you personally give to Convoy of Hope, you can do it right through their website. But as we watch this video, I want you to hear this church uh, singing. The whole background of the entire video is the church worshiping God. And I want you just to be encouraged by this. Let's watch this together. Саме більше це миру потребує, але його на даний час немає. Потребує все, і ліки, і продукти, і піклування. Тому що війна, як кожному народу, незалежно від міста чи національності, приносить проблеми, біду, плач, біль. So sometimes we sing to strengthen people we don't even know. Our singing can be prayer. Our singing can be powerful. And as we unite our voices and we gather to sing, we strengthen those that are closest to us, and we strengthen our brothers and sisters around the world. And so singing is a way to strengthen our own hearts. The last thing I want to say this morning, and then the band is going to come with us, or, or sorry, come up here and join me, is we sing not just to strengthen our hearts, but we sing to direct our hearts. See, I believe that when we sing, we sing about who we love most. We sing about what we adore. I think everybody has a song in their heart. It doesn't matter if you're a singer. There's something in your heart. And every human being has a heart that is wired for worship. We're all worshiping something. The word worship simply means this, that we attribute ultimate value and worth to something or someone outside of ourselves. 
And whether it's accomplishments or achievements or acceptance, approval, whether it's a relationship, whether it's an opportunity, whether it's a feeling, everyone has something that they're looking to and saying, if I only had that, then my life would be great. My life, everyone has a vision of the good life. And whatever your vision of the good life is, that's where your heart is pointed. That's where your heart is directed. That's who or what you worship. So when we gather and we sing songs on Sunday about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, here's what we're doing corporately and intentionally. We are directing hearts that are always worshiping, always worshiping. We are directing always worshiping hearts towards the only one who is worthy of our worship, to the one who is our source and our strength. And so in singing, we direct our hearts. As the band comes, I want to show you, you know, today is Palm Sunday, and we think of this story where Jesus rides in on the back of a donkey, fulfilling the prophecies of, of, of Jewish prophets. And it says in Mark's gospel that as Jesus came into Jerusalem for the last week of his life, many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches. These are these palm branches that would represent victory and, 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 a, and a celebration of that victory. And, um, they spread them that they had they had cut them from the fields, and those who went before, those who followed were shouting, Hosanna. We're going to sing that at the end of our service this morning, Hosanna, which simply means save us, or salvation has come, the Savior, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest and in Luke's account, the religious leaders tell the crowd to shut up, stop shouting, stop singing, stop drawing attention to Jesus. And Jesus says, if they don't cry out, the rocks themselves will cry out. And what Jesus is teaching here is that every last corner of creation was created to worship and to sing in some way. And so when we sing and direct our hearts to God in worship, we're actually doing what we were created to do. Now listen, I know that worship is so much more than just singing. Worship is all of life, but singing is a powerful, traditional, historical way that the people of God have gathered around to remind themselves of God's truth, to shape their hearts, to strengthen each other, and to direct their hearts towards God. And this God that we direct our hearts to, did you know, I'll say this and then I'll finish, did you know that God himself sings? The prophet Zephaniah says this in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst. Some of you need to hear these phrases this morning. It will speak to where you're at. Jesus is in your midst. He's in your life. He's in your home. He's in your circumstances. He's in, his, he's in your situations. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a mighty one who will save. Jesus still has the power to save us and to save our family and to save our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and the students that we go to school with. He will rejoice over you with gladness. God finds joy in you. You bring a smile to God's face. So many Christians, when they close their eyes and think about God's face as he thinks about them, they see the look of disappointment and frustration but this says that when God thinks about you he smiles he rejoices over you with gladness he will quiet you by his love what a gift that is that the Lord himself will quiet our minds our hearts our souls with his love and then I love how Zephaniah ends this he will exalt which is an explosive picture you know Picture sports fans when their team scores the Super Bowl winning touchdown, the explosion of energy in that stadium, the screaming and the yelling. That's what this word means. God will exalt, he will rejoice, he will celebrate over you. How? 
with loud singing. God sings about you, so we sing about him. Our songs are always responses to what he's already doing. We don't sing to get his attention. That's not Christianity. That's actually paganism. We don't sing so that God notices us. We don't sing to get his attention. We don't sing to prove our spirituality. The loudest singer in the room doesn't necessarily love Jesus the most. Don't hear that this morning. It's not about that. We don't sing for any of those reasons. We sing because he's singing. And when we sing, we get to join his song. And that's what we're going to do for the rest of our time together this morning. Would you stand with me? And let's sing.